0: The OTB Podcast Network.
1: Hello, I'm welcome. Uh, I'm Clena Foley and this is Off the Bench, a women's Sport podcast which we hope will inform and entertain sports fans of all ages and genders. This is our first podcast of 2021 and I think we've all come through a tough time and we're still going through it so hang in there and take your joys wherever you can find them. Uh, sport is where we all find a lot of it um, and at the moment we really don't have a lot of live action in women's sport, but there's still so much to discuss um, and all the stuff that pops up that really kind of tweaks our minds and thinks what if what will happen now and one of them is that the women's Six Nations um, has been postponed the men's hasn't for 2021 they're going ahead and starting at the end of next month or starting at the start of next month but the women's hasn't and we wondered what repercussions this has was it a good decision Um, how will it affect Ireland in particular with the World Cup coming up at the end of the year that they're trying to qualify? So we thought, well, let's start 2021 as we mean to continue with a proper expert on our show. And that proper expert is Alison Donnelly. Uh, Welcome to Off The Bench. Thanks so much for having me. We're delighted to have you We wanted to have you before so this has given us a great chance to have you in here Alison. Um, Alison is the one of the founding members and the editor of Scrum Queens and we regard Scrum Queens really as the oracle or the bible on women's rugby it's a brilliant website and because not only does it have news and uh, um, and opinion but it has it has analysis which we think is one of the things that's so important in women's sport now. So um, you're the absolute expert i think in this um and i was curious the men's six nations goes ahead the women's has been postponed possibly to uh, late spring early summer first of all is that was that a good decision and why was it taken
0: yeah i i think well what it does do i think is highlight the sort of financial disparities between the men's and the women's competition and know, remind you that of course primarily the women who are playing in the six nations are amateur you know england are professional france are semi-pro but the rest of the nations the vast majority of the players are amateur so for that reason yeah i think absolutely was the right decision i don't think it would have been um safe to do anything different you know to ask players who you know, are working, so a lot of the players are, would have been playing on a Saturday working and then you know many of them also working in the health services across all the, the various respective nations. So I think to ask them to cross borders and to travel and to quarantine and to bubble and so on um, was just gonna to be too difficult. So um, yeah, the right decision definitely, but obviously it creates a really interesting headache um, for the, you know, the, the people who run women's rugby and world rugby and Six Nations and beyond, because 2021 is supposed to be a huge year for the women's game with a World Cup in September, um, and there are still qualifiers to be played, and, and Ireland are one of the teams, you know, waiting to play those qualifiers. So we've now shifted a tournament uh, later this year where qualifiers would have been held. So um, it's it's going to be tricky, but I think you know moving it definitely was was the best uh, course of action.
1: It's really interesting. I mean, we've even seen with the Australian Tennis Open, like even with full time professional players, you're still we're still having problems with coronavirus, you know, creating those really tight bubbles. So clearly you're right. The implications for this for amateur players and for semi amateur players, even in France, would be very difficult. But um, Ireland are in a very interesting case here because they're trying to, they're still trying to qualify for the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand, which is it would just, they really don't want to miss that. That would just be such a fantastic opportunity if fingers crossed goes ahead next September, and they're due to play in a qualifier with Italy and Scotland. So, do you do you think maybe they would think about making the Six Nations games, if you like, also work, or could could they work as a World Cup qualifier? Do you think?
0: Yeah well the tricky thing here is that Spain are also good, probably the, the other team involved in those qualifiers. I mean I think to be honest when you speak behind you know behind the scenes to the organizers of various competitions anything everything is being considered now you know from Having those qualifiers in March before the Six Nations even begins, you know, bringing all the teams to one country and, and isolating them and getting those games played over quicker days, I, I think you know they're going to have to be creative to make this happen. Um, it you know and, and you know, even there's there are even some considerations and you know, if those qualifiers can't be played, but the World Cup is still happening using the ranking system now, that would, favor, that would definitely favor Ireland. Um, either way, you know, Ireland should, should be getting um, on the plane to New Zealand if the tournament happens. They, they're certainly, of the teams who haven't qualified, um, the, you know, probably the best team not there yet. So you know, we have no idea, of course, of the effect of this long layoff. Um, a lot of the players not playing. Um, whereas, you know, some of the, a lot of the Scotland players are playing in the English leagues over here now. Yeah. So, you know, we, we don't really know how we'll emerge the other side of it. But, but I think, you know, I don't envy the organisers of any of these things, should I just say, but they, oh, are, yeah. definitely, they are definitely looking at options that might a year ago have been unthinkable now as, as possibilities. What really interested me, Alison, was that I noticed
1: you doing uh, an opinion piece. And also I saw Fee Thomas doing one in the Telegraph as well on the same thing, which is that this will be the first time since 2007 that the men's and the women's Six Nations aren't being run at the same time. And you actually think this might be a good thing. And you and I, I saw you using a great phrase. You said it might be a bridge to the future. You think separating the women's and running at a different time of year might be way better for women's rugby. Explain.
0: Yeah, I think it's sort of um, grown, you know, it's outgrown the window that it's sitting in. So for a long time, you know, it really benefited from the association with the men's competition. So, you know, in February and March, we all love the Six Nations. It's really exciting. Everybody's kind of caught up in a a whirl of, of, you know, hype about rugby generally. And so it really did benefit um, from being part of that kind of roller coaster. But in in the last few years, you know, the numbers are growing. Um, You know, France are getting 15 to 20,000 people to games. England have done really well since they moved out of London and they've taken games to, you know, Exeter and Doncaster, 10,000, 12,000, et cetera, and Ireland kind of building theirs. So, you know, and then unfortunately, the the window is too small to allow the growth to really maximise. So you've got hardly, you know, you've got terrible kickoff times, you know, because they're trying to squeeze in all the broadcast rights and so on and so forth. The in games between the of men's that. on
1: the same weekend. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and the women's tournament, you know, there are some people who are I'm a fan of rugby right, I love passionate about women's rugby but I watch men's rugby just you know the same but there are some people who want to watch all of the women's Six Nations games and the schedule actually doesn't allow you to do it now because often the games kick off at the same time so you know that wouldn't happen in the men's right because the TV interest is too high so I've been saying for a long time you know move it out Stand it on its own two feet. Get it a title sponsor once and for all. See, let's see what happens. And and actually, this this year will be difficult because I don't really think. Yeah, we will know if it's, nothing is if, going to be
1: nothing is going to be perfect this year. Anyway, it's no, not a great it, year to grow something new.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think we'll have crowds back. Certainly not. You know, not full capacity. Very very late notice now to try and get broadcast deals and so on. But I, but I think it will be interesting, and it'll be very. Um, you know, it, as I described it as a bridge to the future, it's not the future yet, but it might be. And, and also, once something has happened once, you know, and, and, and this has stood on its own and it's, it's been taken out of the window, it's much easier to do it again. So it's not the huge thing next year when it comes to happening again. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it as a positive, even though it does create a lot of headaches around the World Cup and the qualifiers. Yeah, here, here on Off the
1: Bench, we felt that uh, women's GAA, this year had an opportunity to, to go ahead of the men's um, and run their inter-county season during what was the men's club season in September and, and stand on their own and get in ahead of the men and grab the coverage and they didn't do it. And we just, I, I thought that was a lack of bravery. It would have been really interesting to see what kind of an audience they could have built if they separated completely rather than trying to hop in and out and as you say, clash on weekends at the same time. Something you said there, and I, I still don't think a lot of people realise this was about a title sponsor for the six nations explain what you mean we go we walk into donnybrook and we see guinness signs everywhere um and i think they're throwing something like is it 50 million at the six nations um or their last deal was do they not sponsor are they not a title sponsor for the women's six nations
0: no they're not i mean they're they're involved and i think they're a partner or something you'd have to check the terminology but there isn't a there isn't an x women's six nations, you know, that doesn't exist. Um and there's a great opportunity. I mean I'm always very surprised actually why more my more brands and more sponsors don't get involved in women's rugby because it is a growth sport um and the players are amazing ambassadors and you know they they really give back to the community and they're you know they're just wonderful when how they speak about their sports and their great role models. So there's a great opportunity there and, and you know I, I live in London and know i've been looking at some of the other women's sports who have been pushing ahead in this space you know hockey netball uh, and so on you know with with, you know investec and and brands like that just really kind of seeing the opportunities that you get um with women's sport which you know crudely as well it's a lot cheaper it is i always (laughs) say that it's way cheaper to sponsor women's sport at the moment absolutely yeah so look there's a great opportunity there i think um you know one thing i am always disappointed about we we never really know, you know we don't know what the six nations as an as a company or organization are doing to grow the women's game. they're 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 silent actually. On women's rugby you know you rarely hear them come out and say you know these are our growth plans this is what we're looking at doing this is why we haven't got a sponsor so you know i don't know what they what's happening behind the scenes to make that happen or what problems there are that means it hasn't happened yet Um, but that's kind of transparency would help probably uh, bring investment in
1: yeah, I know. As I said, Guinness always, are always described um, as a partner in the Women's Six Nations, but they're not a title sponsor, as you say. And that's like having a title sponsor is a huge thing. I noticed um, when they announced that the that the Women's Six Nations was going to be postponed, the CEO of the Six Nations, Ben Morell, said. And, and I quote, we're fiercely committed to promoting and developing rugby at all levels, particularly the women's game, where we see such an opportunity for growth. And, and people are saying that's the first time they've actually heard somebody from Six Nations specifically talk about women's. So let's hope then that they're going to grasp the net now and go and find a, a full time sponsor first. And as you say, if it is in a different window this year on the calendar, um, this mightn't be the ideal time to build that audience, but it would be interesting to see what would happen. My worry with the Dalyson is that, particularly in Ireland, even you know, it could it could still clash with other women's sporting events. You know, it, if it was if it was late spring, it would clash with maybe the the women's GA season, the the highlight, the end of the leagues. You know, the highlight of the leagues or something like that. It could still potentially clash with other things, and um, and I. And I you know but it would be brave it certainly would be brave and maybe they need something brave
0: yeah and you know i often say out of great you know out of crisis often bring great opportunities and and this is one of them i think um, but yeah it's, look, it's, there's never going to be a perfect window there's always going to be something um that makes it difficult for players and makes it difficult with schedules and so on um, but let, let's see how we go this year and use it as a springboard ideally to greater things did you see green shoots for Ireland uh, in the
1: past year, even though it was interrupted? If you like the twenty twenty season, no. Really, I, I I would have thought I thought I could see um, definite
0: improvements defensively. Oh, sorry, I've I misheard, I misheard you. I thought oh. you were describing something. <laughs> yes, look, Ireland, Ireland, Look, you know, actually, the disruption has come at a terrible time. I think for Ireland because they were recovering from a kind of difficult year or so. Um, twenty nineteen you know, Bill- poor. Yeah, they were building momentum, you know, they were getting kind of, you know, there were some new players who were really pushing on, you know, Baben Parsons and so we know about those players, but, you know, Claire Malloy coming back, um, really kind of settling into the new coaching. So disruption came at a bad time for them. Um, And as I say, you know, if we get, who knows if the World Cup will happen? I, I have some concerns about that and some doubts, but, you know, right now it's happening. If the qualifiers start up again, we don't you know, our, Ireland themselves will not really you know they're not, not gonna going into that really knowing no. <laughs> you know, what might happen on the pitch because they just haven't played, obviously, you know, they haven't been able to play. So yeah, I think they were they were definitely moving in the right direction. Um stop it's happening bad
1: time, yeah. did actually because I felt that as well, they're really getting their defence together in the past season as well and I think it's actually, they haven't qualified for the Olympics and that's the Olympic Sevens as well, if the Olympics go ahead that's another factor for some countries as well is who, who will they have available, but I would love to see particularly um, Amy Lee Murphy Crow, I'd love to see her in the Irish 15s team, I know she had been in training with them now and I just think she could be a huge asset, um, you know, you'd love to see her getting a chance if the Six Nations go, to, go, go ahead and whenever that happens um uh, there's a worry i suppose that that women's sport could take a, a back step now because the pandemic obviously hits budgets and it hits scheduling and it hits everything across the world um you have a really interesting job tell us what your job is now in england
0: uh so i'm the director of marketing and communications for sport england so they're the equivalent to sport ireland and we um, uh, we do a lot of campaigning around, uh, you know, helping people to get fit and active. So some of the really fun things we get to work on are campaigns like This Girl Can, which you know some people will have heard of, and so on. So, um, I mean, I, I have a, a much more optimistic take on the the kind of the question around, you know, how 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 much momentum will be halted by COVID for women's sport, because I think, you know, the trajectory of it was on you know was on such an upward. Um, curve, you know, you you look back at, I mean, I can't even remember the years now, but the Women's World Cup, Football World Cup in France, you know, um, what was happening with crowds across a whole range of women's sports, the profile coverage, etc. Now, now I know that has stopped, um, and I know that's all been halted, but I, you know, I kind of strongly do feel like, you know, society has changed, and um, we had created kind of growth markets and support bases for women's sports that, you know, starting to really build momentum, and, and I, you know, I always say I don't think people forget how they feel when they certainly, certainly, suddenly become really invested in a sport, whether it's yes. men or women. And so, you know, yes, we're going to have to work pretty hard to get that back. Um, but I, but I feel pretty optimistic that. You know, the momentum we were building, we can get back to pretty quickly once things get back up and running. And, you know, over here, you know, getting to see women's football on the BBC very yep. often, regularly now. And um, that hasn't stopped. You know, they, as soon as they were back playing, they were back on the BBC. So th- those sorts of things, I think, um, you know, I don't think we're going to. Y- y- yes, of course, there's been disruption and it's been difficult and it's an extraordinary time to be living through um but i but i think that momentum it w- will carry through and and you know it might take us a bit of time to get back to where we were but you know we'll get back there and if we had a women's world cup this year people could go i have no doubt it would be the biggest and best women's World Cup ever, despite the past year, because that's that's what's happening in women's rugby. And there's yeah, that's what's built up already. Yeah, and it's interesting. The
1: AFLW is just about to start. The Aussie Rules women's about to start. And TG Caird this week have announced that they're going to cover it. And obviously we have a huge uh, growing number of Irish players going over there. So it does show sometimes an opportunity comes and you slide into that one and you get in there. And TG Caird just you know there's no other sport on. They're going to cover that. That'll be a boost to see Irish Irish women playing Aussie Rules on TV again. On, on domestic TV this year, so you're right. Opportunities sometimes can crop up, and also momentum. If it grows, usually it will keep going. I think the investment is the big thing. It's, we don't know how corporate, the corporate world, and what how and what they have to spend and how they're going to spend it. I think in the next two years in sport is probably going to be very interesting. Um, it is interesting. You were saying that about momentum and about what people feel and invest, um, because when the when the Six Nations was cancelled. Um, there was the usual, you know, knuckle draggers on some social media who were saying, Who cares? You know. And I think it was one of the Bristol players, Steph Evans, started a campaign campaign going, hashtag I care. And and uh and Anna Capeless, one uh, of the Irish back rows, who we have great time for on on off the bench. She's a brilliant speaker. Um, she wrote in and on social media she was really passionate um in, in pointing out um just how much players invest you know and who cares if you don't care but this is actually what we put into our game and she did a great interview with the guys on off the ball am um what did you think of that whole controversy and again do you think that would have happened a couple of years ago players preparing to put their heads above the parapet and say you know
0: yeah um yeah i mean look i think i've been involved in women's rugby for a long time i've been writing about it and our you know, involved in it in some guys for, for 20, 20 plus years. I, I think the history, you know, my kind of view on this is like the history of women's sport, particularly those which are physical and you know used to be considered extremely masculine, is just littered with that kind of a different sexism, that offhandedness that we see across social media. And I think, you know, obviously it's never acceptable. And I think it's important to call it out, even if just to remind people that in 2021 this is still happening. Um, You know, I often feel hesitant personally to give too much kind of oxygen to, you know, to to the the people who are behind it. But that said, and I did think what Anna wrote was extremely powerful because I think. You know, at the level that she's playing at, and the players around her who are playing at that level, they make incredible sacrifices to play their sport. And I, I don't really think people stop to think about that. You know, one of my very good friends here in Twickenham is Lynn Cantwell, who is an ex international rugby player who you, I'm sure you know, uh, still, yep. still, I think, Ireland's most capped player, although I think Claire Malloy is catching up with her. She, <laughs> yeah. you know, she, she spent the a, a latter end of her career having to travel back and forth all the time to, to play and everything. so I think for people like Anna you know I, I can imagine how infuriating comments like that are but you know my, my kind of sense of that is that those are born out of ignorance and I, and I think 20 years ago 10 years ago 10-15 years time those people are still going to be here they enjoy stirring yeah. it up they, yes. they don't have insight into the world that they're criticizing yeah. Yeah. but to your point about whether players would have Stuck their head above the parapet a few years ago. I don't think they would, and I think yep. that's great. And I think using that, you know, it's quite what she wrote was personal and powerful, and came, I think, very much from from her heart. And that's why it was it was great, and you know, really kind of stopped you in your tracks. But I think using those moments tactically every now and again, just to remind people how hard these players are working, and and to get support. So I, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was powerful. But you know, those people, unfortunately. They're always going to be here. I
1: think so. I always say that the knuckle draggers will always still be there. But I thought it was interesting. It was exactly is she wasn't slagging them off. She was just saying, you really don't understand how much we how hard we work. Alex Sundeck, it was a prop with uh, Saracens had a great line as well. I just saw her, her tweeting and she said, um, I don't care what you think, but I care that you might get in my way and I think that is interesting because that attitude is you know that is probably what has happened before but I think we now have a generation of female athletes who won't let anybody get in the way which is absolutely brilliant and what people might know about you is a first of all you're from Middleton in Cork but you worked uh, in your earlier career you worked as a news and sports journalist with the Echo newspaper in Cork and you actually I think were you a founding member of you you founded their women's sports awards
0: did you? Um, myself and Mary White, who I'm sure you know, oh, the um, legendary so Mary. Yeah, yeah. she's great. So we, so that was my first job out of. I went to UCC and we, I went to work at the Echo, and Mary was working in the Echo as well. And obviously we bonded over love women's sport. Um, she was brilliant. Um, she she wrote lots herself, but she was a really really good, but talented basketball player. Uh, not my sport, I have to say. And um, but but you know we we yeah we we co-founded those. They're still going strong. I went back. They are went back a few years ago for the 10th anniversary which was just really cool i mean i mean i would say this because i'm from cork but cork is obviously full of amazingly talented women uh, yeah. in sport and you know across you know i grew up obviously loving Sonia, but um or you know, we just are, we have a really great culture, I think, there of, of getting women involved in sports and and winning things, you know, the cork so yeah, 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 it was great. It was Derbal great.
1: Laurke is another one. I mean, it is just, I always say there's a corkness, like it, to have that corkness in sports just seems to give you that inner defiance and strength. And it's I think it's responsible for just producing, you know, cork extraordinary athletes, men and women, but it has certainly been a source of amazing. And Mary uh, white obviously wrote that brilliant book about the late Cork ladies football relentless which has been put, gone into a second thing and wrote beautifully about Eamon Ryan who we lost in, in oh, the yeah that was so sad an incredible man an incredible what I loved about him was um how he respected the women that he worked with as athletes you know that's how he saw them um so Mary's tribute of Emily goes online and has a look at that as well you'll get her on Twitter uh she's
0: I, I think it, Aime, so I didn't know Aime and Ryan um I didn't write about GA when I when I was writing in in yeah. Cork but but when I read that he had died because that football team had become such an integral kind of part of Cork and the success yeah. that they had you know people felt like that you know they really sort of invested in that team in yeah. that era so I felt very sad just for them you know because you feel yeah. you felt really like you know you felt really like you knew those players, you admired those players, you, you know, you were there on the journey with them. So, yeah, he, he was clearly an amazing man. And, and yes, Mary White, brilliant woman. So
1: those awards, apart from Scrum Queens, those awards are continuing, Alison. They're, they're part of your legacy to, uh, to uh, Irish women in sport, which is a lovely thing to have still going. And Scrum Queens is still going strong.
0: Yeah, I mean, it look, it's a voluntary
1: a- thing. It's a labour of love for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I set Scrum Queens up in 2009 because the Women's World Cup was coming to London and I was living in London by then. And very few people, you know, there were some, but very few people writing about it. And I thought, you know what? I, I used to be a journalist, but by then I'd moved and I was, I'd was i moved into communications and so it stopped reporting. But it, it was intended to be something I'd do for a year and then <laughs> carried on and carried on. And then there's a there's another guy called John Birch who writes with me. And, you know, look, we, we both... I think we just sort of passionately believe in you know telling the stories of the players in in high and to be honest a huge source of kind of motivation for me is around highlighting inequalities in sports and women's rugby is still a sport that is very unequal in terms of how it's treated and, and and progress has been made but you know i was thinking about this interview tonight and remembering that it's not even 15 years 20 years since the irfu took hold of women's rugby you know I was on the IWRFU committee for years Why where you? we Why were you? yeah we you know we, this is how I started in women's rugby I became um the PRO for the Irish uh, women's rugby football union when I was at um you know at UCC so that you know we we were running the game um with no help from the IRFU they they, they weren't involved and that that didn't change till 2007 2008 now they, they started to become more supportive but uh, they weren't running it so I mean that's not that's 15 years ago. So I think there's, you know, why I still am involved in Scrum Queens is because I think we, we try and, you know, we, we have a voice and it's listened to and, you know, we want to kind of highlight um, stories, of course, but I think we want to bang the drum to, you know, make more progress and to tell people what a great sport this is. But, you know, I have to say the media coverage over the last few years at women's rugby is just phenomenal you know we talked before we dialed in properly here about you know sometimes you feel like it's things are going backwards but actually when i look now at you mentioned yeah. fee thomas yeah. the telegraph you know gavin comes there there in, in, in at the irish times RTE, covering all the games i mean when i started like when scrum queen started nobody did i mean the stephen jones yeah. at the sunday times you used to write about women's rugby because he he is a really big supporter of women's rugby um and paul morgan at rugby world magazine and that was kind of it you know, yeah. no one was doing it. So um yeah, I mean I you know, look, I'm very proud of the Echo Awards. I also loved working there. It was such a great job with such great people. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Scrum Queens, it's not going to go on forever. I can't keep doing it forever, but, um, you know, ha- happy we, to still be back. We sometimes
1: drum. feel the same thing here. At I yes. feel the same way yes. about Off the Bench as well. It is, it is, a, it's now a voluntary thing again, It's. A, but it's just, you know, uh, we just feel there's so much to talk about and so many interesting stories about women's sport around the world and, and at home that just don't get covered generally in sport. It's improving definitely and it's brilliant to see, you know, Um, women's rugby now I think get covered by rugby cars in in the majors and you know to have even as you said the telegraph net doing specialist stuff and it's growing all the time but it it has come it has come quite a a way in a short space of time and I think people sometimes and and probably young people playing the game don't realize that so it's good to put that in context it is actually great to put that in context you haven't been home obviously during lockdown that must be really tough
0: yeah, I, you know, I'm loathe to complain because obviously, you know, people are having much worse time. But yeah, so I definitely am um, missing my family. I haven't been home since December 2019. Um, you know, I was sort of thinking, should should I have gone and done the quarantine? And then, you know, for me, it's just not the right thing to do. My parents are elderly. and too much risk. I mean, the numbers here are so bad anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, You're all worried. Uh, too yeah. Over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, um, both uh, my wife and I and our little girl, actually, we all had the virus last year. We were all fine, you know, oh, a, little bit, a little bit sick, but all fine. So, you know, I, I just think it, it brought it very close to home, but I tell you what, when I do get home, I will be cracking out all the drinks in my parents drinks cabinet <laughs> <laughs> the the uh
1: the, the dodgy liqueur from 1976 or oh. whatever that came home from it will be pulled out yeah. the creme de monde, exactly pint of creme de monde, please um yeah. finally do you have a club um locally i mean you're clearly must be red there must be red blood there must be monster there as well as everything else for you in terms of rugby but in in london do you have a club that you support particularly
0: uh, yeah, well, I'm involved in a club um, quite near where I live in Ted- in Teddington. Teddington, I'm a director of women's rugby at Teddington, and I played there when I moved here. I played for Wasp for a bit, and then I went down to Teddington. It's a, an amazing, lovely club in South West London. It's, you know, it's in Bushy Park, which, if Beautiful anybody listening part. knows, it, it's lovely. Yeah, I mean, we haven't. I mean, like you, I guess over there, there's been no rugby for nearly a year now. Um, which is really difficult and there are some very difficult you know through my job as well we're obviously very concerned about activity levels which I'm not really? sure what's happened in Ireland but ours are um, you know it, they're, they're not good shall we say and you know what's going to happen when rugby clubs reopen and hopefully April or May are people going to come back in the same numbers what do we need to do to help people feel safe you know I, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about people here saying you know, I, I will play again, but I'll wait till I've had that vaccine. And for people of my age, that's not going to happen until maybe, you know, August, September. So yes. I'm, pretty wor- I'm pretty worried about community level rugby. I'm sure the same conversations have been there.
1: Same Same, had here. There, same having here, actually. I saw a very good article on it in uh, the Daily Mail last week. Uh, Rory Keane did a very good piece, actually, uh, on one of the core clubs. And, and that was what they were saying. It's at grassroots level. They're equally worried that people won't come back, particularly not in the next year and that they'll lose members and that they'll lose youth members as well so it's a it is a a problem everywhere look it's been fantastic to talk to you and as I said we wanted to get you here before but this just has turned out so well and it's a it's a timely reminder to everybody of you know how precarious I suppose the the season is for all athletes at the moment female athletes so we're hoping hope to hope that the Six Nations uh, goes ahead uh, for women and most importantly, as you say, that the World Cup qualifier goes ahead and that Ireland are on that plane. If the World Cup goes ahead next September, that Ireland are on that plane as well. Thanks so much for joining us, Ali, and take care of yourself over there. Thanks, it's been great all right brilliant and to all our listeners um just remember you can hear uh, all of our previous podcasts you can download them on itunes or you can get them on the off the ball uh, website and just mind yourselves uh, until the next time and don't forget to wear a mask thank you
0: that was an otb podcast network presentation